Did you know that it is Asian American Pacific Islanders Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Carden, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meath. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA Scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native, Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number. Along with your existing contacts, ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proves to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And let me just say something. You're so good at this. Thank you. You asked me a while back, and now that you're, you know, you got more, you know, listeners, I, I said, now it's the time. You're like, look, if it's good enough for Oprah, I'm in. I waited for her. Hello, everybody. It's me. We have a good one today. John Stamos. I mean, he has broken many heart and we share the same lineage, let's face it. Teen magazines to middle-aged men. It's a sad story as old as time. Um, but I look forward to talking to Johnny. He's he's one of the sweetest men you'll ever ever meet. Let's get to it. Hi, Rob. This is what Bop Magazine, Tiger Beat, 16, <laughs> they've been waiting for for decades. Mm-hmm. We're giving people what they want. Which magazine did you like best when you appeared in them? 16, Bop? I liked Tiger Beat was a big one, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. You know the weird thing about Tiger Beat? I'm looking at this art piece that I have. There was a woman named Doreen Leoy, and she she was, uh, she was discovered me, and I was, before I was even on TV, and she... Um, so she grew me and became really good friends with my mom and my dad. And she was like a sort of like a sister, an older sister. And she spent, uh, you know, Christmas and holidays with us. And she said to me, she said, I saw something that captivated me about me. And years later, she said the same thing about her husband, who she married, Richard Ramirez, who was the, uh, you know, the, the uh, 
the murder. Yeah, that sounds about right. And so, I mean, liter- literally, she was she married Richard Ramirez, and my dad was like, "Don't let her come around." The house. She'd call him, "God damn it, don't you call!" Slam the door. It was a a strange thing, but well, that was the world of Tiger Beat. You know, mass murderers. Yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. It was like John's favorite first date, Disneyland. Richie R loves dismembering his victims. How did Richard Ramirez, if if he was so plugged in to Tiger Beat? Yeah. Dickie Ramirez, you'd have thought he he would have had a pinup. He wasn't us, Rob. He wasn't us. When was the first, what was your first cover of what, Bop or something? Bop was a was a Johnny Come Lately, as if I oh, remember. Yeah. 16 magazine was the big one. That was the that was the uh, life, that was the time magazine of teen idol magazines. And um, I remember my, the first time my picture was in it, I was 15. And, uh, I did a photo shoot at the Malibu Pier. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and my hair was like Farrah Fawcett Majors. It was like like really like feathered. Tell me about it. And parted down the middle. But really what it was was a David Cassidy. David was cool. Did you know David? He, and, and I'm not kidding at all. I'm not being cute. I, he was, my, when I was a 12-year-old, 11-year-old and, and watching the Partridge family right, or whatever, right, right. I mean, he was, he was the shit. He was, wasn't David he? Cassidy was the man. I think I love you. Yeah, I, I, what a great song. Great song. Good guy. To, you know, demons, right? I mean, uh, yeah. clearly we know about that. He, um, he, was, he did some opening. He opened up for the Beach Boys a couple times, and so we got to hang out. But What was he like? Drunk. Oh, good. Um, no, he well, he was. I mean, he was. You know, he 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 was pretty bad off most of the time. I was. I'm good friends with his brother, and and um, so I would sort of keep up. Yeah, Sean the, Sean Cassidy's a big TV producer, right. very successful. Yeah, not that one. There's another brother who who's a um, worked on ER. He was. A, uh, I want to talk to you about your son. One of them. Yes. <clears throat> your kids goof on me in a good, in a sweet way. They like. Oh, they lo- they love. <laughs> what they. A, they love a lot of people not just my sons yeah. a lot of people love like putting you and I in the center of a comedy universe yeah, and it's y- kind of a thing it, but you know I have to be honest too like I never consider myself in the same universe as you ever you were always up way up a, many many leagues above me and like you looking at David Cassidy that's how I used to look at you and, and I don't I'm not even being silly too and you've always been kind to me you've always been a gentleman you've always been respectful oh, thanks, and and caring and I know you know when I went through getting sober you were there uh, you know texting and helping out and you're just a good man and I'm glad I'm on oh, the show thank you but I and, and but I don't I never I, right back at you I never considered myself in you know John Stamos Rob Lowe that didn't even you know, I didn't ever thought that I'd be in the same sentence with you, really. Well, listen, not only are you in the same sentence with me, but I, in, when I do my one-man show, one of my opening jokes that just fucking destroys is <laughs> I, I look out in the audience and I go, yeah, I think it's important for me to explain the show and what it is. And, mm. oh, I just see a whole bunch of women who just walked out. They're like, wait a minute, that isn't John Stamos. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> well, I think we both use each other. I've been, you know what I've been doing lately? And I've, you know, I'm sure you get it all the time. She's like, how do you look so young? What's your secret? I say, I, I drink the blood of Rob Lowe. And it gets a laugh <laughs> and it's a compliment to you. But your sons, what, I think it's Johnny, right? Like he'll, po- he'll post um, like happy birthday to the greatest dad ever and put like a picture of me. Yeah. <laughs> he is a, such a demented yeah, little, funny, funny. little asshole, my son. Is it, <laughs> is it weird hearing your name and on stuff? Yeah. Well, there's always that thing where you watching TV and, yeah. and, and your name will pop up. But, but you know, it's funny that you, that you look up to or that came before you, like me with David Cassidy. You know, it's uh-huh. like first it's David Cassidy and then, of course, it becomes Paul Newman and other, other people like that. But like um, 
I never met David Cass. I did go to his concert. I, the you first did? concert I ever went to was at, in Dayton, Ohio, Hera Arena. It was a hockey rink. Uh-huh. And David Casty was and my only memory. And I, I, doing the math, I realized I must have been seven years old. So my, and he was a speck in the distance in a white <laughs> Elvis jumpsuit. You've toured tons of stuff, right? I mean, with the Beach Boys. How did how did how did the whole Beach Boys thing happen? I mean, for those of you who don't know, and I think I think most people do know that you're an incredible musician and you've been playing since you were a kid. I'm okay. And you are, you're, a, I mean, it's not too much of a stretch. You are the Beach Boys drummer at this point and have been. Well, I, I never th- think of my, I think of myself as a guest. They, they always had two drummers. And when, when Dennis Wilson died, I was kind of around. I knew the guitar player, Jeffrey Foskett. And the first time I went to see him in San Diego at Padre Stadium and I was on General Hospital at the time and um, I I went backstage. I went back. The show ended, but they still had an encore. And I went backstage, and all these girls were screaming. And, they, and Mike Love turns to my friend Jeff and says, "Who's that?" So that's John Stamos. He's on General Hospital. Mike said, "Do girls always scream like that?" When he's Jeff said, "Yeah." He said, Mike said, "Get him on stage." And that was oh. it. <laughs> Came on. I played. But you know what? We got to talk about you. We got to talk about you showing up at a show. Now, do you? I know you remember this. And I, oddly enough, I found video of this recently. It's too bad. By the way, who thought of putting Rob Lowe on radio? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Of. <laughs> I mean, come on. I have a face for radio. No, you should be be seen. Do you remember show? Well, you must. Do you remember showing up at a concert in 1988? We were, I was there with the Beach Boys in Detroit, Detroit. and. It was so great. You guys have to see this. It's so cool. Maybe you should post it or I'll post it or something when we when this airs. Rob was, came on stage and he, he had sunglasses and he rolled up his thing. And he, we had a, on the set, we had a- um, Beach Boy a, chair. A lifeguard, lifeguard chair. Yes, and lifeguard. He, he just sit, and, I, and he's just sitting up there like, you know, so fucking cool. It was such a great, great, and I have video of it and, and so the fun. place went crazy and you sang with us. It was My memory of it was like, it was like Lily Gosh. Tomlin's <laughs> rocking <laughs> right chair. The, like I was like Edith Ann. By the way, I'm I'm hitting the audience with an Edith Ann reference. Like I'm a hundred years old. But I get it, and and I heard you talking to Daryl about like not being contemporary references. Who gives a fuck? You and I will just we're talk. old people. We're old. I mean, we can't. What are we gonna do? But uh, yeah, I remember that, and I remember watching you play, and I was like, wow, this isn't a bit. John can really play. Did you play on Kokomo? I did the. I, there was some drum machine stuff that I did, but I don't. I don't know if it ever made it. The the mainly was the video. Yeah, mainly you were just, in the, the yeah. video. You're in the video. By the way, I love that song, and I didn't realize yeah. I'm a music nerd, and I'm a, I'm also a here I'm a background singer nerd. Like I'm like you know who sang background and that. Like I love that, and I love <laughs> um, credits. I didn't realize um, that John Phillips. John Phillips. Yeah, he, Kokomo, yeah. among other people. And and Mike Love. He my Love would come up the, with the hooks to all the songs. He would do you know Mike was Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, you know. Or Mike Love was I'm picking up good vibrations. Or around, around, get around. You know, those are the hooks. And then Brian Wilson, being the genius, you know, filled everything. You know, everything Did you ever there. have any relationship with Brian Wilson? Yes, yeah. I mean, when he came back, you know, he when Landy, uh, they kidnapped him, I oh. guess. I don't, I don't know if they've talked. Johnny, first of all, <laughs> I owned the rights from brief second uh-huh. to Landy's book. You did? Because I wanted to play Brian. Oh, really? You would have been good. I mean, you're... I wanted to play Brian in the worst way. And they made the movie, and the movie is spectacular for those who don't know landy was his psychiatrist who was very controversial and 
kidnapped him apparently and programmed him and it's just, i mean like saved his life a, but then then he life. took over yeah then he took over it. i'm i love the brian wilson story it's he's a genius he's a genius and he you know he's he was you know he's he was you know what you have in common with him is he had a great sense of humor he was very very funny still still is i'm sure and i'm deaf in one ear like him are you really yep. i don't see him i don't see him much but but in in the in the early 90s i think it was you know well landy apparently they, they kidnapped him and reprogrammed him and he came back great right and when he came back they were first of all they were filming him and they were around him all the time and I think it was we were well I know we were in Canada and I, I believe Mike Love was going to be gone for five shows and so Brian came out because there was a deal in the contract it had to be a certain amount of uh, original Beach Boys on stage so Brian was out for four or five shows and it was so fucking cool and wow. late one night I'll send this to you late one night he wanted to play piano and he hadn't been around in a long, long time. He was skinny. He was funny. He was sharp. And we and we broke into this um, ballroom at the Four Seasons in Toronto, and you could and they were videotaping him. And I have the video, <clears throat> and the video wasn't on us yet. You could hear him go, "Please, sir, please, please unlock the door, please, please." And the door unlocks, and we sit there for two hours, and he's playing all the stuff we we called. It was just me, Bruce Johnston, Jeffrey Foskett, and and Brian, wow. and his his handlers. And then he starts writing a song, and he says, "Rock, roll, rock, Stamos, you sing, uh, you sing, you sing the low part, rock, roll. You do Mike, and then he starts handing out parts, and then I'm singing rock, roll, Stamos, good, you know." And he's buzzing. And then, like a few weeks later, I get this call to come into the studio and sing on. Uh, with some new record he was doing because he thought of, thought of me as a, as a bass play, a bass singer. It was a trip. Wow. But I think, and then they were calling me to come around a bit. I think Landy thought I was a good influence on him. Brian loved Kokomo and he wanted to sing on it. And and Landy said, Brian's if Brian, I have to be a producer. Me and Brian both need producer credits on it. Or maybe it was writing credit. I can't remember. But they wanted credit if Brian sang on it. And and Love and and John Phillips said no. We already recorded it. Terry Melcher was on it too. And then Terry so Brian, Melcher. Terry Melcher was the producer uh, of that. And you know, do you know the Terry Melcher stuff with with, well, with I Manson? Mean, yeah. I know the man. Yeah, that's who right. Manson was trying to kill. Yes. And you know who lives I love in the, the uh, who'd ever thought this is what's great about the podcast. Go ahead. It's like you're going through the menu, you're like, Oh, I'd like to see the John Stamos one. I'd like to hear the Rob mm-hmm. talking to John Stamos. Mm-hmm. That we talking about Richard Ramirez and Terry Melcher and uh Charlie Manson. Charlie Manson in a natural organic way. Who would ever thought? I love that. Beautiful segue. Well, the, yeah, thank the, you. Look, I'll tell you one thing that people don't want to hear right now is the two of us talking about, oh, I'm so good looking, I can't do this. I'm so good looking, I didn't get that role. I didn't get, you know, I don't, I'm not taken serious. I'm too good looking. They would drive their cars off the, the, the cliff if, they're, if they were listening. That said, Johnny, um, give me a name of a, of, a, of a role you didn't get because you're such a handsome devil. Uh, there was a role in Tommy Boy. I think, who got that role? You, you got it, but they wanted someone for that. But I was trying for to Tommy think of, Boy? yeah, yeah, your part. No and, way, uh, they wanted amazing. someone not. I was too good looking, and they said, "Okay, we're going to go with Rob Lowe." Yeah, they're um, like, get that character actor Rob Lowe in there. Should we f- finish the Manson stuff, or should we move on? Well, speaking of Manson, you know, you know, so Dennis Wilson was um, going to the studio or coming home, and he picked up two hitchhikers on PCH, and they, they he left them in the house. He went to record something with Terry Melcher, came back, and there was a party going on, and this little man walked out and said, "I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to serve you." And that was Manson. And he moved into Dennis's house and never left. And the two girls that he picked up, I think one was Squeaky From. And it's pretty rare, although I'll say it because I think Mike talk, Love talked about it in his book, but he would tell me stories about 
um, he, there was an orgy over there. Him and Bruce Johnston went to, and uh, Manson was con- he was on a little chair. It was a short guy, I guess. He was on a chair, like conducting. You do this to that person. You do that you know passed out drugs first, and Love wasn't into it. And he went. He was in this shower with Squeaky Fromm or maybe Susan At- Watkins. Is that her name? Susan Atkins. And uh, he said he got this knock on the shower. And he says then open it. Was Manson said you can't leave the group. And he thought that was weird and he split. When Manson, you know, ma- committed the horrible, heinous crime up there, it was a, f- a week or so. You're probably an expert on this, but it was a, a while before they got him, right? And Love said that all the Beach Boys were like on their roofs with guns and you know, paranoid. And Love said um, that he got a call that, and he picked up the phone and said, "You're next, motherfucker." No. Yeah. Scary shit. Huh? It's so funny. Like, why the Beach Boys? Well, because Terry Melcher. So Terry Melcher was a big producer. He was producing the Beach Boys and the Birds. And Manson wanted, you know, was a singer. And so Dennis brought Manson to meet Terry. And Manson played, you know, him songs. And Terry thought it was shitty and and said, No, I don't want to produce you. The Beach Boys recorded a song called "Never Learn Not to Love" that Manson wrote and did it on the Mike Douglas show. How's that for a reference? Whoa. Yep. I wonder if people want to hear this from us. Oh, they do. Okay. Who else do you trust more about mass murdering? The two of us, yeah. Yeah. Stamos and Lowe. Yeah. We should have we clearly should have our own podcast of dark just talk, crime just shit. Talk about that, huh? Summer is almost here. Are you ready to throw open your windows or throw them away? If they're drafty, foggy, or impossible to clean, talk to your friends at Window World. Window World specializes in home transformation with beautiful, energy-efficient windows, entry doors, and siding, featuring Energy Star certification and the good housekeeping seal. Call 1-800-WINDOW-WORLD, schedule your free consultation, and tell them you heard about it here on Literally with Rob Lowe. Window World. America's exterior remodeler. Well, you know, no two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas, vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activity allow for such an infinite number of different travel experiences. I mean, I love Texas. I go like this, the people of Dallas, the culture of Austin, and I love any time I get there. If you're a beach person, well, you can go have fun in the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. If you're a rugged vacation type, there's campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, golf is nuts there, foodies, you got your Texas barbecue and live music in Austin. And of course, if you're into the cowboy scene, you can certainly find it there. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom trip matched to their own unique interests. So visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Hey, listeners. Ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 
1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. But you have you have a, po- a new podcast. It's called The Grand Scheme Snatching Sinatra. It's about the Sinatra kidnapping. So like 25, 30 years ago, I was at the Orange County Fair and I knew Jan and Dean through the Beach Boys. Jan and Dean were another surf, you know, duo. And Dean turns to me, we were backstage and says, hey, say Stamos, do you produce? I, all my all my Beach Boy voices sound the same. You're a good impression. I can't, that, everyone sounds like Mike Love. And, <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, I'm trying to, uh, hold on a second. This, this, this is a, I got prop. I got props, like carrot oh, good. Top, like a carrot top uh, in the pocket. So he says, uh, he says, do you produce? And I'm like, yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know what a, you know, what a producer did, really. I was on, I think I was on General Hospital or somewhere at the time. And he said, well, the, my, my best friend kidnapped Frank Sinatra Jr. And I have the rights. This is a manuscript that he wrote in prison. And I'm out pitching the show, pitching the podcast, pitching the documentary. And I'm always sort of telling it in the sense of, you know, it's the Marx meets the Coen brothers, right? Because this guy, Barry Keenan, he was at he was at Rock by. He was an extremely smart guy, very intelligent. He was the youngest on the stock exchange at the time, um, and his dad was in securities. And he just he was a guy who wanted a seat at the big table, right? He went right. to uni high, and it was with Jim Brolin, James Brolin, mm-hmm. Ryan O'Neill, Jan and Dean. All these guys were becoming successful, and you know had a lot of money. And he wasn't, and he wanted to get there. He got wrapped up in drugs and alcohol, as we know, can be a terrible thing. And he was at the lowest bottom that he could be. He lost all his money, his parents' money. And he's sitting in, on Babawa Island in his Chevy and overlooking Catalina. And there's this great movie scene, by the way. There's a this snowstorm, rainstorm, you know, thunderstorm happening. And he said, um, God's voice came over the radio and told me to kidnap somebody. And the radio wasn't even on. I said, okay. Um, so he had this, these voices that told him that he, and he, at first it was going to be, he first wanted to do Bob Hope, but he thought, no, he's too patriotic. I got to go for something a little dirtier. How about Sinatra? Can, can that Bob Hope, <laughs> right, he's got three right. wood in his hands all the time. Yeah, isn't that marvelous? <clears throat> Kidnap my son, huh? I, you see, I don't do impressions, Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty good though. What? I'm just doing that. That was pretty good. It's a pretty good Bob Hope. It's better than my Bob Hope would have been. So he... He sets aside on Sinatra Jr. because he knew Nancy. They went to school together. And he tries uh-huh. three times. And the third time um, he goes to get him, it's the day that Kennedy is assassinated. He says, well, that was in Dallas. I, I got a schedule to keep. I got to go. Kidnaps him, gets him out of Tahoe, um, and stashes him in the valley, the deep valley over, over here on Winnetka. Realizes, oh, shit, I left the gun. I didn't pay the, the hotel bill. I left fingerprints, my fake mustaches. Gets his girlfriend, drives him back up. So then they disguise themselves as uh, honeymooners. They bring skiing stuff. And how, wait, how old is Frank Sinatra Jr. during 19 all this? years old, 19. And this guy's 20, 20, 21, 22. You know, he was mentally ill. And that's, you know, being able to do it over 10 episodes has really let me kind of dive into his psyche and really tell the story properly and not sugarcoat it by any means. And not, I started it and I'm like, what am I, am I glorifying this guy? I mean, I have a kid now. Like, this is not. But it's just such an amazing story. So Sinatra didn't want this made. I mean, he didn't want. He was. It was during the trial. They, you know, they were these guys. They caught these guys red-handed, and they they eventually got life plus seventy-five years. But there was this it, it, this crazy uh, um, character named Gladys Toll's Root, who was this famous female uh, lawyer, and she she would come to the 
to the court, uh, big hats and big outfits and stuff. But she whispered in, when they were losing, she said, didn't uh, Frank Jr., this was a publicity stunt, right? Didn't Frank Sr. pay for this to get publicity? And they pulled that out. And it really it really ruined Jr.'s career. I mean, it stayed with him for, for you know, until the day he died. So Frank didn't want this talked about ever again. Didn't want Barry talking about it. Didn't want, and Barry was trying to make the movie. So all of a sudden, you know, Barry noticed that people were trying to kill him. But there's so much going on. This sounds like a, a Ryan Murphy special. I mean, Ryan makes those you know, those Hollywood t- dark tales of Hollywood. I mean, have you ever talked to Ryan about it? I, I when Brad Falchuk, you you guys you know them from yeah. uh, from the nine. I want to talk about your new show too. It's great, and you're great in it. Um, uh, you, don't, you work more than me than anybody. You got. I like working. I don't I can, idle I well. Yeah, yeah, me, yeah, me. I'm like an in, I'm like a certain type of an engine that like I bet. Does you know it, it's like it has to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a finely tuned machine. I get yeah. it. Um, so he, uh, Brad, we took it to Netflix. They bought it with Falchuk, and then uh, Barry. Oh, you came, did see? Yeah. I didn't even know that. That, made, but that makes but, perfect sense to me. Let me finish. Brad, um, Barry fucked up the deal, and it was it got complicated, and we all pulled out, and then um, and then I walked away, and I couldn't let it go. So then I came back to do it, but. Um, Sinatra, so it went on so long, and, and on Sinatra's deathbed, supposedly he said, get that son of a bitch. The last hit that was on Barry was in Huntington Beach, and the guy had him in his sights, and his colostomy bad broke. Come on, Stamos, you're making this up. Hand to God. And um, he talks, Barry talks about it in the, uh, and you know how he found out, Rob? He, you know, so so he, he was, after he got out, and we could talk about it, but he, uh, he he was really big into prison reform and a big AA guy and helped a lot of kids, a lot of people get sober. He was great. He was in a meeting and a guy who, a guy was in, saw this hit band and he was doing an amends and talked about this hit. What? Mm-hmm. It all goes back to AA. Uh, now, wait a minute. So, uh, first of all, did you ever meet Sinatra? Yes. And did you? I was going to ask you. I did. I okay, met him. Tell me about um, And he... You know, he was a very intimidating figure. I was young. It was mm-hmm. t- not at the end, but towards the end. He was performing. He was still singing. It was after a show. Where was it? Um, it was a charity event for the Princess Grace Foundation. Uh, was it in Monaco? No. It was in it was in Texas. They they do one they did one a year and Prince Rainier and all these yes, people yes, were there. Yes. Um and I was introduced to him by Robert Wagner and um Sinatra looked at me deeply, pulled me into him, by the way, hard, yeah. and slapped me Oh, nice! On, in the face and said, my grandkids love you. <laughs> and go. I took that as a high compliment. I loved Elvis and my dad was into Sinatra and he was like, you gotta you know, listen to Sinatra and I'll listen to Elvis and we'll see. I listened to Sinatra and said, dad, you're right, He's, he was so fucking cool. What'd you think of Elvis? My dad was like, eh. But I took my dad, my mom and dad, uh, to the Pacific Amphitheater here in, in Orange in Orange County to see him. And we called up to see if we could meet him afterwards. And they, they said, uh, if Frank wants to meet you, we'll, we'll, you'll know. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> so we're sitting there. And it was before, um, so Rickles goes on first. And it was, I, you know, I later became very, very close with, with Don. But I didn't know him well at that point. He goes on. And then it's intermission. And somebody taps me on the shoulder or some you know mafia like Jimmy Bacananzo I think it was and said uh, Sinatra, Mr. Sinatra will meet you now I'm like what so we go back at intermission 
Yeah, because Rickles went on, and there's inter, you know intermission, and then Frank comes on, and then after the show he leaves, so the time to say hi is. Oh, okay. okay, yeah. So we go, and he was super cool. My mom has the story for years that 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 Sinatra hit on her, um, on, on her honeymoon in Vegas, and so she had to tell him that story. She was into a couple of wines, and she kind of beelines to him, and then I see Jilly Rizzo like almost tackle my mother, and I was like, okay, amazing. Um, and then uh, said hi to Frank. We took some pictures. There's one up there. Of you and Frank. Yeah. And oh. me and Frank and uh, Rickles and then the Sammy. Um, and then oh. we, we went back out. So Frank Sinatra finishes. Rickles comes out and introduces the celebrities in the audience. Did You know, they used to do in the old days. Yeah, yeah. And so-and-so, so-and-so, John Stamos. He said, he's probably in the grass, uh, Rickles is still saying. In fact, he's probably smoking grass. And Frank takes the microphone from Rickles and says, smoke one for me, Johnny. Oh. And I could die because my dad was there, so... You're the, you're a made man then. So I collect stuff, right? And I have uh, Frank Sinatra's phone book from the last uh, ten year, fifteen years of his life, right? What? So, look yeah. at that. And it's all in his writing. It's really something. I mean, look. I mean, you have to be. Okay, give me, flip to a page and give me, give me a name out of that thing. Well, there's one. Specific. Lou Wasserman. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. There is Milton Berle, who you mentioned earlier. Um, you see that. Uh, John, that's amazing. That is an amazing artifact. I'm not kidding. Yeah, it is. And he, I, I got it. It was a three day auction, and it was the last item. I said, people are going to be. They're like, no one's going to be paying attention to this. So I got it. Perry Como. You got your Jimmy Cagney. I mean, look at this. Yeah. What? And then somebody did it before I bought the thing. Someone wrote a have a book on his phone book. I know you love this old Hollywood. I, stuff, I, I know this is insane. So two with but wait, I'm getting to a good name, and there's a little story behind it. So, Saga was over one day. I don't think he's left yet. It was about a year ago, Bob. <laughs> and um, I showed this to him, and your boy. Oh, here they go, Cary Grant. Excuse uh, me. Oh, John, there he is. Excuse me. Excuse yeah. me. What 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 number was I using at that time? Two one three two seven eight. Excuse me, Rob Lowe. I don't know. I don't do. Wait, 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 so it sounds like there were only celebrities in this book. I don't think he dealt with plumbers much back, you know. Um, I'm trying to Unless get it was air quote plumbers. I'm going to call a plumber to take care of it. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. He had some of those, trust me. Gene Kelly. Um, I'm trying to get to this thing. Sorry, folks, if you're still listening. No, this, this, <laughs> this, this might be my favorite thing I've ever seen. Really? I'm not kidding. Uh, Greg Peck. Not Gregory Peck, but, but Greg Peck. Greg Peck. That's what they called him. So, so here's your boy in there, right? Robert Wagner. There he is. Oh, good. There you uh, go. You know, Frank would call all hours of the night. <laughs> yes. So Saget's over, and he calls Wa- your boy Wagner and says, John Scott, Frank's book, is this your, is this, was this your number? And he said, yes, that will, you do the pressure. He said, yes, it was. That's my number. How did Stamos get that? And that was that. Uh, that was, you know, I mean, I, and, and you were like, we're the same age. We, and you were friends with the Rickles, one of your best mm-hmm. friends. I mean, that's an era of, of entertainment that we were really super super lucky to catch the tail end of who have you met have you did you meet everybody that you idolized or, or is there anybody out there left or uh i'm trying the the only person that i had not met for years and years and years and years that was on that list mm-hmm. the only person who was like the great white whale i just had never and there have been a lot of close calls was redford oh really yeah and well, I, still and i finally um I was at a, an award show and he was being interviewed on the red carpet and I just stood right behind him until he was done with the interview mm-hmm. and waited and then introduced myself. And I 
I love kissing the ring of my heroes. I love it. I love it. And it just, and, and the other thing is I have no shame about it. Yeah, None, zero. Because yeah. I'm like, I don't know when I'm ever going to see Robert Redford again. And this is a guy who was invaluable to my experience of being a movie fan and being an actor and learning what, what kind of acting I admired. Everybody has their own style, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, um, I am a style of the like, I mean, dude, Redford in the natural Redford. And I mean, come on, he's amazing. But what but is that style? Cause you do have, you do have that. I mean, very naturalistic, right? And you, and you I know you're a pro, you, you know, your lines, you hit your marks, you know, it's super natural. It's super honest. It's super, it's super subtle. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Not, and the number one thing is it's not showy. Right, 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 right. It's never, like you never think Redford's acting. There are some actors who are, look, Daniel Day-Lewis is one of my favorite actors. That's a mm -hmm. different style. Right, yes. It's to, equally valid. Have you worked with those kind of, those method people? I've never worked with Daniel Day-Lewis. And by the way, I have Daniel Day-Lewis scenes on my phone. I, I've gotten this new thing I do where if there's, particular scenes in movies I like and it's on TV, I'll film the scenes and so I oh, keep cool. them on yeah, my yeah, phone yeah, yeah. and I have cool. a really cool library so going now. So would you put on stuff, if you're doing a comedy, you'd put on you know, a comedic actor that you like? or The only comedy I have on the phone is Bill Murray going, um, he's like, uh, big hitter to the llama. Yeah, right, right. And then he said to me, he said, Gunga, 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 like, I have that on the phone. Genius. But I also have, I've abandoned my boy, <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> but do you do that just to be, like, to, or do you look at it before you're doing scenes, like, to get no, inspiration? No, no, I just, oh, do, it for, just for I do it for, well, I mean, I do it for inspiration. Okay. And I, I have Alec Baldwin's Always Be Closing. <laughs> Put the coffee down. You've worked with a lot of, I mean, who, have you, who is the best? Who was the most, uh, who, who was... Not intimidating, but who were you just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm acting with this person besides me? I mean, I was, I have to say I was a little um, nervous coming in because A, I was coming in as a, as a supporting actor on a show, on a movie that was already up and running and it was a lot of heavy hitters who I didn't really know. And that was um, on Behind the Candelabra with Soderbergh and Michael Douglas and Matt Damon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think I auditioned for that part too, you bastard. Did you? Or, um, well, I think I went on tape, or they wanted me to. You were great in that. In thank fact, you. I used that that picture of you with the with the with the plastic surgery. <laughs> I, yeah, that was my 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 um my thing that I used on my you know my phone and stuff. Yeah, no, no. Like if you if you called me, you know the picture you can put on your on your address book. And stuff, <laughs> that, it was that. And then I switched to Phyllis Diller, and people didn't know the difference. But that's true. People were like, "Who is that?" Oh my God, that's Rob Lowe in, in that movie. You were great in that movie. So was Michael Douglas cool to you? Oh, he's great. He was great, and Matt was Matt's just one of the great guys, and and a fantastic actor. And and um, we we had so much fun doing that movie. It was in, I I just teed off, and that was it. I'm sure you must have felt like you come on a set like that. It's like, oh, here comes the pretty boy. You're not going to be able to act through this. Like, what was that about? Well, I I had talked to to um, Soderbergh about because you know like doing um, ensemble stuff. I love doing. I I love being part of a team and being supportive and like knowing you know to play my, you know how loud play my instrument in in conjunction with other great instruments is is, is and they make you better right. But I'm I'm not talking about just on Liberace, but just like any job into like any like did you feel that you went through those years of having to prove that you're a good actor, or did you say fuck oh, it, for here, sure. here I am? Yeah. Oh yeah 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 one hundred percent. But then I also remember very vividly 
it, I don't know, vividly, it was incrementally probably, but vividly getting to a point where I, where that all left. And, yeah, me too. And because you just go, fuck it. It's free. And that's really freeing. You just, I just figure like, like I, I've been around long enough. I've done enough stuff. Like, you know, it's like the, the jury's in yeah, <laughs> one yeah, way yeah. or the other. <laughs> I hate it, whatever, but there's no. nothing I can do one way or the other, nor should I. Right. To change anybody's I, minds. But I think it's the longevity with both of us, right? It's like eventually you got to go like, well, he's still around. He must be doing something right. I remember I, it stressed me out for a long time, but I also was very, you know, I came up, uh, Full House was, a, you know, one very specific thing. And I remember um, when I finished it, I was like, I, Jack Klugman was a mentor of mine at that time. Oh, yeah. I worked with him. And he, I said, what do I do, Jack? Said, go to the theater. Get you to the theater, you know. So I did. Which you've done. You've done a ton of music, yeah. a ton of musical theater, mostly, right? But it took. Well, I, yeah, mostly. But the last one I did was called "The Best Man." Maybe you know it. It's a great political thing, Gore, Gore Vidal, mm. and it was with um, Angela Lansbury, John Larroquette, and um, James Earl Jones. You know, the, the greatest acting experience I've ever had, I think. And where did you do it? Was it where was it? A little place called Broadway. Um, what theater Broadway. are we on? Uh, I can't remember. Um, uh, yeah, I'm obsessed with what theaters. Because oh, really? I always forget. Not that I've done so much, but I. But it was not the Richard. Was it Richard Rogers? No, that's where Hamilton is. I did how to. The first one I did was how to succeed in business. I, I replaced Matthew Broderick. You replaced but, Matthew. But Jesus yeah, Christ! which like, was hey. not. Yeah, it's balls. Like I don't know where I had those balls, and I don't know if you feel the same way. It's like I'm trying to get back to that guy. Who, where's the guy who could just walk in? I'd never done. I'd never been on Broadway. I'd never really done play I, I I wasn't a good singer I still am not a good singer I don't really dance and I went in there and said oh I could do this and I but I just studied I studied I, I, I oh. said well I'll just do it 10 hours a day I'll sing I'll dance the thing I walked in and I got it but um with James Earl Jones so you're doing that thing and standing ovations and you know he was great and he called me little little John and we worked on scenes it was oh. I was a real actor and I walk outside and it's like Uncle Jesse Uncle Jesse <laughs> say have mercy and I said you know what forget it fuck it I'm, I'm done trying to prove anything I don't care um, you know, that's and I'm amazing. Those moments. Tell me about the show you're working on now. It's your coach. You ever, Who's your yeah. coach based on? Your, did you base him of, on anybody? Well, first I got to say that I am the. I don't know anything about. And what I mean, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about sports. I know you're a sports guy, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, and have you? Do you know David Kelly? Have you heard him? Did um, you, I, I obviously know who he is, and I've never had yeah. the pleasure to work with him. He's a legend. Legend, one of the best. And yeah. and. Just when you get something juicy of his, you just go, "Oh my God, I want to and, and you read every and so uh, they called me and said, you um, you're getting offered for this new David Kelly show." I said, "Oh my God, it's gonna be big little lies part three or something or play a lawyer or one of those things. I said, what's it about? Basketball. I was like, oh no, God no. I'm so lame at all sports. I, playing him, I'm lame. talking about him, I'm lame. So at least he was it's a coach. Amazing. So I go, let me figure this coach thing out. So a friend of mine knew um the logo, right? Jerry West. Yeah, sure the logo. First, uh, the sure. greatest nickname in the world. So I For go, those of you who don't know, Jerry, the NBA logo is modeled after Jerry West. Right. And uh, yeah. And so I went to see him and, and I said, Mr. West, thank you so much for uh, letting me come to this rehearsal today. And he said, First of all, son, it's called practice, not rehearsal. Wait a minute. Uh, That's hilarious yeah. that you called it a rehearsal. That's yeah. really funny. I, and it's true. I'm not... And, and then so he... Good. Then we goofed. Then he said, those aren't, you know, costumes or... <laughs> <laughs> But I studied him for a while. I mean, we, I talked to him for a long time, and those guys. And then I just started. I read every book, and I watched Bobby. You know, in the first episode, I throw a chair, and you know, it was sort of Bobby Knightish, right? Yeah. So I watched him a lot. Have you ever met him? 
I've never met Bobby Knight. Oh um, my God, he's so yeah. funny. He was so funny. I was just watching these things. So my character throws a chair and then I get kicked out of the NCAA and I have to work my way back up at an all-girls private high school in Laguna. So it's I come in you know, as if I'm coaching, you know, college. The Lakers. Boy, yeah, yeah. And and, uh, yeah. and I also thought that, so I went to see the Clippers practice and I thought, for some reason, I thought the Clippers were a college team because I was playing a college <laughs> You know, guy, so stupid. But I really—you you had but, it right the first time. The, the, the Clippers are a college team. I'm a Lakers are? fan. I'm allowed to say that. Okay, good. Don't they, come at me, Clippers fans. Don't. Did you ever don't. go to the Lakers? I know you went to the Lakers game. Did you? Well, you were friends oh, with Johnny, Shanley, right? Johnny or Gary Marshall? I was. The reason I was in Detroit was not to caucus. It's come back to me. The reason I was in Detroit to sit on the lifeguard stand with you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in '88 was I was there for the Lakers final. I. Literally, it was me and Nicholson traveled with the team. That's why I was there. Just, you just I don't remember me. Jack Nicholson on any uh, st- any lifeguard stand. Yeah. Um, um, what are we? What were we? We're talking oh, about basketball. Um, Did you? You uh, Gary Marshall would take me once in a while. Gary Marshall, the famous director, Laverne and Shirley, Happy mm-hmm. Days, Mark Pretty Mindy. Woman. He had badass basketball games at his yeah. house in the Valley. Every oh yeah, Saturday. you yeah, and you played right. And Shandling too, didn't you? Shandling, Gary Shandling then took it over. But that Mm. this was a big, just what Mm -hmm. you think of. Boy, I bet you that Gary Shandling is tough down in the post. (laughs) You just would be like. By the way, in the post, John is a basketball phrase. Well, I'm telling you, I didn't know any of it, and and but I knew I had to learn. I knew I had to do this right. I knew if I didn't play, if I didn't get the coach down, the whole show wouldn't work. And I think I got it. Uh, the if you watch the pilot, the, the first scene is just like just me out with his college team coaching my ass off, and then you know throwing his chair. But and Jerry West, you know, went on talk shows. And says, you know, Stan was likes to goof around and say he was practicing all stuff. That guy was a real coach. He, he really looked like a coach, and he was the kind of coach that I would have liked. That he was treated the women just like the men, and and the show you know dropped at a really good moment when women's basketball was were in the headlines. You know, whatever yeah. it was, a couple months ago with the inequality. So it worked out great. It's a, uh, it, you know, we both always say this. Like this is the best show I've ever had, the best job I've ever. Had. But but it's it's up there. I just love it. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, where do you shoot? You in L.A.? You Paramount. in Vancouver? You in Pan- Paramount, you? Paramount? Paramount. Paramount. Well, Paramount. that's amazing. You actually get to shoot something in Los Angeles. Yeah, I don't think I could make it to Canada. Transform your bathroom cleaning with Wet and Forget weekly shower cleaner you just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no scrub clean with over 33,000 five-star reviews this is your once a week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean available at amazon lowe's menards home depot and ace hardware join thousands who switch to an easier clean get your wet and forget weekly shower cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options, 
that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash, and scents like redwood, wildland, and stone, and an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. The weather is getting warmer. It's time to ditch the jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. But there's no need to waste money on clothes that only last one season with Quince. Now you can get high quality pieces that never go out of style. You'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts for $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering with the top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings directly onto you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. My producer recently made an order for Quince, and here's what he had to say. I'm really excited to revamp my closet with Quince. I cannot wait for my items to arrive from Quince. You know, I'm a sweater guy. I was looking at that burgundy cashmere crew neck. I love the blue chore jacket. Maybe I'll throw some joggers in there. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash rob for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Rob to get free shipping and 360-day returns. Quince.com slash Rob. By the way, because I know you love rock and roll people, and I know you played with him, apparently, at a baseball game. I had John Fogarty on the show. I was listening to that last night, and I, I dozed off. To, not, not that it was boring, but it was late. And I knew yeah, I had he's, get... He was great, and he was very happy that I did his song with Snow White. So that absolved okay, me what once song and for was all. It? What song was it? Uh, it was Proud Mary. You said that, you sang that, that's what you sang as in the beginning of that Oscar thing? Yes, but with different lyrics that uh, were written by Marvin Hamlish. No which shit. I know you will. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. With him. Um, well, that was cool. How did you fun. get? How did you get through that? You just did it. Wait, barely. Um, okay. What? Tell Fogarty, me. I'm gonna tell you about Fogarty. It's more yeah. interesting than Disney. Okay, I'm good. at. I, I'm. I'm friends with. Uh, I meet him through my friend Roger Lodge. Who who knew? You who knew your wife. Yeah, I know Roger Lodge. You know, Roger. played basketball with Roger Lodge. Forever. Good basketball. And he's yep. the one who really helped me get this coach thing down. It surprised me. We called all. We, he hooked me up with all these coaches. He rewrote all the coach lingo in the show. Um, so Roger was working at Santa Pietro's. Remember that place, the pizza place up there. Uh, the the Santa Pietro's mm-hmm. sign mm-hmm. that was written by my wife. What do you mean? She wrote it what? on a napkin and gave it to George Santa Pietro, and, and that's that was the sign. The, wow. My wife ran the Santa Pietro's restaurant. There you go. Uh, and the first hire that she hired, she was hiring only other hot girls, and that's why the thing mm-hmm. did so well. Mm-hmm. Was um, Vanna? No. Um, hang on, Mariska Hargitay. Oh, really? Yep. Mariska was the first waitress that my wife hired. So the last time I saw you guys, we had dinner five or six years ago. We were both on Fox together. Remember Grandfather and The Grinder? Yep. Um, 
so uh, Fogarty used to go up there all the time. And Fogarty said to Roger, I know you know Stamos, and my daughter's a big fan, and she just she got in a car accident, she's okay, but would you think John would ever come by and say hi? I, of course. So I went by because I wanted to meet John too. Sure. Yeah, said, I said, you know, we're having a Christmas party coming up um, if you guys want to come. And, and I always put a band together, and he's sitting there, um, and we're playing this music, and I go, and then I go, we stopped. I said, John, I don't want you to think that I invited you just to play, but I don't want to be rude and not ask you to play. And he was like, well, could I just play guitar? I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, and he wow. had this was before he started. This was when he was not playing Creedence. Stuff. He was pissed off at his brother. Oh and yeah, stuff. for sure. Yeah. He hadn't. Play, this was you know thirty years ago or something. He gets up and plays, and he turns. Us, you guys know Proud Mary? Did, yeah, we we know John. Oh. And then we had a rap party, and he and he said, "Can I just be the guitar player?" Like sure. Um, and that was cool. And then it was his fiftieth birthday. He said, come, "Come over." And then he had a band. He said, "Did you want to sit in?" "Oh, I'd love to." And we're playing. And then he goes. Uh, and then we stop. And he goes. And there's sixty people there. And I then I have the video of this too. And he's like Bruce. Bruce, you want to get up? Come on, Bruce. I'm like, no fucking way. Springsteen gets up, and two hours were just Bruce. Come John. on, you played with them? Yeah. You've so you you've played with Fogarty and Springsteen mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Uh, My life is. I, I know you wrote a book. I would never write a book, but it would be called. It it would be like if you would have told me when I was a kid that. I'd be on a podcast with Rob Lowe or that I would be... But seriously, a, any of this stuff, I, would, I wouldn't believe it, right? Don't you pinch yourself sometimes, yes. Rob, and go like, what a life we have. Wow, how grateful. And, you know, our thing is all about gratitude. 100%. I mean, yeah. I, li- I live in gratitude all the time. I see I it. I mean, that's my, my default position. Well, you, know? you can see it on you, and I'm grateful to you for having me on the show and grateful for you being a friend over the years and... You know, helping me out when I needed help in that area, and 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 hair products too. I think you've yeah, I'm I'm very helpful with that. But I mean, look, people can come in and say, you know, Rob, you've been sober for thirty years. Do you have anything? And I say, I have some advice on that. But if you really, but what I really know more about is hair products. Yeah. Now we know. Particularly well versed in that. Um, John, this is great. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so excited for you. you. The podcast sounds insane. The the show's great. Thank you. And. we will talk again soon. And thanks Congratulations. For thanks for having me. And uh, God bless you, Rob. You're a good man. Thank you. How fun is that? I'm, I'm still trying to untangle the Frank Sinatra stuff. So sounds like we're going to have to check out the podcast, which is called The Grand Scheme Snatching Sinatra. Um, anyway, that was really fun. Who knew? Who knew all that stuff? What a, what a like Rolodex of interesting stuff Mr. Stamos says. Who would have known? Have mercy. Um, You've called the lowdown line and now it's time to see what you've had to say. Hello. You've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hey, Rob Lowe. This is Melody from Erie, Pennsylvania. I am in my car, always listening to Literally. And I just want to let you know that absolutely love, love, love your podcast. But two things. Do you think you're going to have a book coming out soon? Because I miss those as well. And also, do you think you'll be making a movie anytime soon? Uh, love watching you, love listening about your family. Keep up the great work, and thanks. Well, thank you, Melody. Um, thank you. That's really nice of you to say. Uh, I am actually doing a movie. Um, I'm I'm leaving for Atlanta to shoot a movie uh, in about 
a week. And it is called Dog Gone. And it is a v- unbelievably heartwarming, just so, so emotional uh, story about a father and his estranged son who do not understand each other and do not relate to one another. And their beloved dog uh, gets lost on the Appalachian Trail and they have to hike the Appalachian Trail together to try to find their dog. True story. Um, it became sort of a cause celeb and like got picked up by the Associated Press. And before you know it, communities all over uh, the South were looking for this beloved dog, Gonker. So um, I'm off to do that. And uh, that will be on Netflix when we're done with it. Um, and uh, books, I would like to write another book. Um, I, I found those to be um, incredibly fulfilling. Um, don't know what it'll be, but I, I feel like that part of my life is not over yet. But thanks for your support. I, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week on Literally with me. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced and engineered by me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn. And music is by Devin Tory Bryant. Make sure to leave us a rating and review, and we'll see you next week on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV, so the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires.